Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which, sing, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Sarah. How unfair to get up and preach after hearing the word read by someone holding a cute baby. Like, that's just not fair. Well, as Sarah read, uh, we are talking about Running. This text this morning compares the Christian life, as in other parts of Scripture, to running a race. Now, oftentimes when we think about like running with endurance, we have pictures of movies, you know, people running slowly. That kind of all probably comes from the 1981 film Chariots of Fire. Some of you aren't old enough to know what that movie is, or maybe you haven't seen it, but you know, there's this great picture, and the theme song is playing, and the guys are running on the beach, and we're just like, yeah, that's what, that's what we should be running like in, as Christians. But that, that doesn't seem to be my Christian experience when I think about that. My Christian experience is a bit more like the first race I ran as a freshman in high school in cross country. Okay, if you look at my body, I'm not designed to run long distances, right? They're, they're short, skinny people, okay? But, but I was like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna, and so, so we, we get to our first race and we have to run through woods and you know, over you know, brooks and valleys and various things because it's cross country, right? So we, the, the race gets ready to start. The gun goes off and I'm so amped. Like, I'm running, I'm running as fast as I can. I'm out in the front with the front runners, and I'm just like, this is awesome. And then maybe a quarter mile, maybe I got half mile into the three-mile run, and we're in the woods, and I just gas out. And I just, I'm like, oh, man. And, you know, and then I start walking and trying to jog and then walking and people are passing me and then the girls start passing me and then the junior high kids start passing me and I finish most of the way I'm walking and I run at the end. Of course, when you come out of the clearing and everybody sees you, you got to run because they got to think that you've been running the whole time. And so I run and I finish the race. But that, that's what my Christian life feels like. It, it feels like at times I just want to quit. It feels so overwhelming and hard that I don't think that I'm going to finish. But this morning, our text points us to three exhortations to help us to run the race with endurance. So we don't have that experience like I had as a freshman in a Christian life. So our experience is one where we continue, we run, even though it may be difficult. So the first exhortation that we find in the text 
that should encourage us to run with endurance is this. You're not running alone. Look at the text. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So the beginning of this chapter starts with therefore. It's pointing us back to something that's happened before. And you remember over you know, the last number of weeks, we've been studying Hebrews chapter 11, where we see time and again, great saints of old who have faith. They have faith in God, and God uses them to do amazing things. God meets them. So this chapter, and our Bibles are full of stories of witnesses, witnesses that they're saints of old who are speaking to us their story. So they're witnesses of the race that we are running. We're surrounded by them. In Hebrews 11.4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, he, though he died, he still speaks. So Abel's not actually speaking. He's not alive. We don't, we don't channel the saints of old. We're not praying to the saints of old, but his story still speaks to us right now. The stories of Abel and Noah and Abraham and Moses and Rahab and Samson and David, all of them, all of them are these fans of us that their stories are seen by us and they're cheering us on by their stories. The picture is kind of one of like an old Roman Colosseum, like the Greco-Roman world where events took place, athletic events took place. That's the image that kind of should come in our mind. As we're running the race, there's a cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. I experienced that when, when I quit cross country and then played soccer because that's going to be less running. <laughs> and our coach, always at the beginning of the season, before we started, right after summer break, he made us run for two miles and he timed us. And if we didn't meet the time, we would have to run it again before the season started because he's basically saying, get in shape, and if you're not in shape, I'm gonna get you in shape. Well, as you would probably guess, I didn't make it the first time. So I had to run it again. And I don't know that I would have made it the second time around after two weeks of practice if it wasn't for my teammates who had completed, who had finished in time. Those teammates didn't just sit on the sidelines, they didn't go get a snack. No, during the entire time, those of us who didn't make it were running. They were cheering us on. And I'll never forget when I'm like ready to gas out. I'm ready. I'm done. I'm, I'm just going to quit. That's okay. I just didn't make it. No, my friend Jason comes up and he runs right alongside me for the last like half mile. He's just like yelling, come on, you can do it. You can do it. And I made it. I made it barely, but I made it. But why did I make it? Because of those that were cheering us on. And that's the effect that these stories should have upon us. Because these saints of old, they're waiting for us to finish. I mean, at the end of chapter 11, in verses 39 and 40, you can look, it says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised 
since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That's pointing to the fact that there's a day when we're all going to be caught up. We're all going to be, at the last moment, the trumpet's going to sound. We're all going to be caught up. That's when everyone is going to come and be with Jesus. We're going to see him face to face. We're all going to realize the promises of God will be fully fulfilled at that point in time. So they're waiting. They're waiting, and as we look to that day, know that their stories are meant to cheer us on. Let their stories motivate you. Let them stir you. Don't just put that as, yeah, well, we covered that a few weeks ago. We're, we're moving on. I'd encourage you, even this afternoon, definitely this week when you're in your small group, sit down and open up chapter 11. Read it, maybe read it together, read it by yourselves, and pray. Pray something like this. Make an application. Pray, Lord, thank you for the example of insert name that you find in chapter 11, which encourages me to blank. Pray that way. So you're praying scripture. You're letting scripture inform how you're praying. Let it encourage you. And don't get upset if you're praying in your small group or you're at home and have lunch with your family today and you guys are going to do this. Don't get upset if someone takes the person that you want to pray. There's a lot of them. There's a whole Bible full of them. But pause and let their stories cheer you on in your walk with Christ. Let them encourage you. Let them stir you up that you would run the race with endurance. The second exhortation that we see here in the text is lay aside every hindrance to running. Look back at verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. That phrase, lay aside, points us back to the you know, first century, the Greco-Roman world. When you would go running, uh, you didn't have a, a closet full of different kinds of clothes for different things that you do. Right? You didn't have separate overalls for doing your work outside, or you didn't have separate running clothes with special shoes designed for your gait so as you run. No, you had like this robe-type clothing, and that's what you wore. And so if you wanted to go run, I don't know about you, I've never tried to run in a robe. My guess is it's a little dangerous, kind of hard. So what they did is they took it off, and they laid it aside so that they could run, so that they could run without hindrance. And that's what's in view here. Lay aside every weight. Well, we'll come back to that. Lay aside every sin. Every sin that clings so closely. The assumption is that there's going to be a struggle with sin. The writer, the writer doesn't go, well, maybe if you do, or, or maybe if it's possibly a struggle. No, he knows. He knows it's going to be a struggle for these saints, for every saint. That's, that sin is there. Sin is a real threat to Christians that we must constantly contend with. It not only hinders you in your growth, it also hinders your ability to do the work of God. So don't take sin lightly. And I say that with all 
seriousness. We can even get distracted and look. We compare ourselves with others. We compare ourselves with the world, but who we should compare ourselves is with the holy God. We were praying about that this morning in the prayer meeting. When we compare ourselves to the holy God, we should see that we are the greatest sinner that we know. And we should be sobered by the seriousness of sin. Not that we would have an unhealthy focus on sin, but rather that should lead us to a practice of confession in our lives. Just a regular practice of stopping and saying, Lord, you're holy, I'm not. You're worthy, I'm needy. Lord, where in my life have I fallen short? But not so that you would stay there, so that you would, you would see it repent of it, experience the forgiveness and the grace that comes. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He doesn't want you to stay in that place. He wants you to be freed from that. But we also need to be humble and, and not, not go, the greatest sinner I know is my, my brother or my spouse, or that person at work that drives me nuts. The greatest sinner that we know, as, as Paul is our example, is us. And we should just have a practice of confession so that we can lay aside those sins. Lay them aside because they are a hindrance to us in our running. You're, you're designed to run. You're meant to run. The picture is to run freely. So what's hindering you, brothers and sisters? Is there something that's hindering you that you need to lay aside? So we let, certainly we lay aside every sin, but lay aside every weight. I mean, back to that. Lay aside every weight. Something doesn't have to be sinful to slow you down. Don't just ask the question, is this activity or practice a sin? We, we like to ask that question. I mean, it's good that we ask that question. Is this thing that we're considering doing or this practice that we have, is that sin? That's a, that's a right question. You know, is it a sin to binge watch this TV series? Is it a sin to listen to this music or watch these movies or own this house or have this many cars? Is it a sin to be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, but what we often do is we can wait for the answer of yes, no. And then we hear the answer, well, not exactly. It's not a sin. And then we're like, okay, we're good. We're good. Thank you for, for helping me discern that. I'm good. Then we just keep going. We stop. We don't want to hear anymore. I want to encourage you, don't just ask. Is this a sin? Lay aside sins for sure. Absolutely lay aside sins that are hindering you in your pursuit of Christ. But ask this question. Does this get in my way? Or does it help me to run? Does this get in my way? Or does it help me to run? Maybe you have one of these devices that you carry around in your pocket. What on this device gets in your way? 
and what helps you. Now, I get there's things that help you. This is, this is a wonderful tool, particularly when you're going on vacation and you don't have a map. There's some helpful things on here for sure, right? There's helpful things on here on, you know, National Cheeseburger Day. You can get a cheeseburger for 50 cents if you have one of these. There's so many things that, that we can put on here that slow us down. And it, 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 it's, it's a weight. It's called a weight. I, I borrowed this from a friend. This is a, this is a weight vest. Apparently, it's 16 pounds. I don't know, it feels like more. But, you know... I didn't check to see if it smelled. Uh, but a friend of mine, he, he, he wears this but because he, he trains in this to make him stronger, and then he takes it off to run, and he feels a lot, he feels a lot lighter. And, and this is really kind of what the weight is like. There are things in our lives. They're not, they're not wrong. I mean, sometimes they're good. This can be a good thing if used rightly, right? It, it, can, be, it can be helpful if used rightly. Rightly, but sometimes we have things in our lives that are weight. They may not even be sinful. And we, we have them and we just kind of carry them around. And we're like, you know, this is really not that bad. I mean, really, I think I could walk around with this. And then we we start to run some and we're running and we're just we start to get a little tired a little a little more quickly. And then maybe we're looking for a, a chair because we wanna we wanna sit down and we you know maybe we find ourselves sitting down and People start coming by and we're like, it's okay. I'm gonna, I'll catch up. It's all right, I, I will catch up. You, you keep, go, just run. You can do it. And we're tired. And, and, and we leave this on because we, we care more about what, whatever this is than we are about running. We're running for our lives, brothers and sisters. We're we're running. We're running for Christ. We only have a short time to run. How far are we going to get? What are we going to be used? Are we going to take it off and let it, let it lay it aside? The things that cling so closely I get that there are weights in your life that come upon you that you don't put there, and you're running, and they do slow you down. But there are things that we put there. There are things that we allow there, and we should take time before the Lord and say, God, what is it that you want me to remove so that I can run faster? John Piper said this. He said, everything in this text explains running or motivates running. Don't stroll, don't meander, don't wander about aimlessly. Ask the question every day, Lord, what can I do to maximize my running today? Again, there are things that can be helpful, things that can provide rest for you and encouragement for you, but let's lay aside that which clings so closely and run the race with endurance. Let it go. The, the picture is when you let it go, you can run freely. You can run faster. You can run harder. And you can experience that practically in your walk with Jesus. That's why every time I take time away on a retreat, 
Or if I take time away on my vacation, I did this this summer, I literally took this device and I powered it down. Not because I was putting new software on it, but I powered it down and I put it away. And the only one who was allowed to look at it was my wife. That scares the living daylights out of some of you. But when I did that, after going through withdrawal for a few days and, and helping, you know, because I just want what's, what's to, the, what's the next thing or the, or the news or the, did anyone contact me? What's, man, my time with the Lord in the morning was so much richer. My ability to focus on other things was so much more deep. My worship with Christ, because there, there weren't distractions. Now, I'm not saying in, in our world, it's, it, it may be impossible to not have one of these. But there are helpful seasons in which you can lay that aside and you can feel it. You will feel the freedom. And it's not just about these devices. It could be other things. It could be your video games. It could be your social media accounts. It could be other things. What are the things that are holding you back? The writer says, lay, lay them aside and run with endurance the race that is set before us. But it's not enough, brothers and sisters, just to lay aside the weight and sin. We do need to do that. But we run, to run with endurance, we must look to Jesus. Looking to Jesus is what produces endurance. Look back at the text at the end of verse 1. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. We need to see the finish line. We need to see the finish line to get there. I'm reminded of the story of Florence Chadwick. In 1952, Florence Chadwick, uh, you know, a woman decided to attempt the 26-mile swim between the California coastline and Catalina Island. During her swim, Chadwick traveled with a team whose job it was to keep an eye out for sharks and be prepared to assist in the event of unexpected cramps, injury, or fatigue. Roughly 15 hours, 15 hours, roughly 15 hours into her swim, a thick fog began to set in, clouding Chadwick's vision and confidence. Chadwick relayed to her team she didn't think she could complete the swim. She swam for another hour before deciding to call it quits. As she sat in the teetering boat, she discovered if she just continued on for another mile, she would have reached Catalina Island. Life is hard. We're going to have distractions. We're going to have things that weigh us down, and we're all tempted to throw in the towel and call it quits. That's why it's so important for us to focus on the finish line, so important for us to see it out there. That's what my friends were doing when they were running alongside of me. They were saying, the finish line's not far away. And so that's what we are doing when we're looking to Jesus. If we want to persevere, we need to look to Jesus. That's why we sing Jesus-saturated songs on Sunday mornings. That's why we, we hold dear the gospel, because it's Christ that helps us to endure. Not a bunch of rules, it's Christ. And if you look at Christ in this passage, in just this one verse, 
we learn some profound truths that can encourage us. We look to Jesus, and it says here, he's the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus was perfect, so you don't have to be. He was the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's not like all the other saints. All the other saints who we talked about in these verses, we, we talked about the fact that they had some issues, right? They had some failings. They had some discouragements. They had some out-and-out times of rebellion. So we learn through chapter 11 about all these saints whose faith encourages us to go. And then we get to Jesus, who's the perfecter of our faith, who's the one that God had started, and he's the perfecter. He did it perfectly. He finished the race perfectly, so you don't have to finish perfectly. And so if you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus, the Christian life isn't about let's just do all the right things and then I'll be accepted before God. No, we come broken, we come having failed, we come struggling to the cross of Christ where Jesus bled and died for us and we ask for forgiveness and he gives us that forgiveness because he lived perfectly so we don't have to. You don't have to wait until you get things all cleaned up. Then you come to Jesus. No, you come to Jesus because you don't have it all cleaned up. And he's the one that cleanses you by his blood. So I exhort you, if you've not trusted in Christ, talk with someone before you leave today. Understand the amazing thing that Christ has done for you. And Jesus endured because it was hard. He lived out... 30 plus years on this earth without sin. Some days I don't feel like I can go 30 minutes without struggling with something. He lived 30 plus years without sin and he endured. How in the world did he do it? What kind of supplements was he taking? Was it those things that you kind of pin on your shirt, those runners, like they, they squeeze them in their mouth while they're going? They have some special protein powder? Is that what Jesus was taking? No, the thing... The thing that was, what did it for him was the joy that was set before him. He himself saw the finish line. What was what before him? His joy to run helped him. And joy helps you. Joy helps you a whole lot more than duty does. Eric Little, the, the runner that's highlighted in the movie, Chariots of Fire, was a Christian, became a missionary. He said, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Jesus had something far greater in view than a foot race. He had God in view every single day. That was what was in view for him. He delighted in the Father. I think uh, the, the beginning of Psalm 42 actually gives us a I think a, a picture of what's probably going on in Jesus' heart and what I'm praying goes on in our hearts. The beginning of Psalm 42, it says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. There was this hunger and thirst for God that Jesus had. And he knew that the ultimate was to obey his father, to be in his presence. He longed to be in his presence. That's why he's squirreling time away here and there to spend time with the father because he was longing for that only thing that would satisfy him. 
It didn't matter if he was hungry. It didn't matter if he was tired. I'm going to lay those aside because I want to be with my Father. Heaven, as we look to the finish line, heaven is not awesome because we get stuff. Certainly, we will get rewards. We're promised rewards when we lay up treasures in heaven. But heaven is so awesome because we get God. We get to be in the presence of Christ, free from all these things. We don't have to stop and think, what do I need to lay aside? They're gone. And we feel the freedom of just running, running freely, not running out of gas at all. And we don't have to wait until eternity to delight in Christ. We don't have to wait. We can pray now. We can seek his face now. We can enjoy him now. The challenge is we often, in our times of prayer, we often make them about stuff that we need. Now, now we need stuff. Jesus tells us to ask, right, for our daily bread. There, there are times when we do ask God to provide that which only he can provide for us. But the first part of that prayer in the Lord's prayer is Godward. It's to seek his face before we seek his hand. It's to kind of fulfill the true longing and hunger that's happening in your heart. It's to seek God. And we seek God practically by looking at his word, by studying his word, because this is where we learn about who God is. We study it. We, we abide in Christ. That helps us to get a greater picture of him. It helps us to understand the gospel and its implications in our lives. And if you're like, man, I, I would love to do that, but every time I open my Bible, I just feel like I don't understand what it says. Well, the good news is, is the, the burden of abiding has been on the heart of the elders for some time. We're going to talk about that at Equip You next week. But in October, we're actually going to start a a weekly study for, I think, like four weeks where we're going to get into God's Word. We're going to provide child care for you if you need child care, and we're going to get, we're going to open God's Word, and we're going to be like, okay, how do we discover the things that are said here and then receive? Full time discussing it, but it's really for the application for you to take home, for you to experience week after week. So if, if your time with Jesus is amazing, and you're just like, yeah, you know, I really don't need any help in that area. I just feel like I'm completely running awesome. Well, maybe you don't need to come. But it will be totally worth your time because we can experience the joy set before us if we put the joy before us. Because when you're joyful, it's a whole lot easier to run than it is to do rules. Jesus endured because of the joy set before him. And Jesus endured suffering for you the founder and perfecter of our faith. We're looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despising the shame. He endured the cross. That's why we take time regularly to take communion together. We're gonna to do that a little bit later in our service this morning because we wanna be reminded of what Christ did on the cross what that meant. That's why on Good Friday, we take a good long time to be sobered by the reality that Jesus took upon himself God's full and complete wrath for us. And the cross was not just about physical pain. He despised the shame. He thought nothing of the shame of the cross. He was innocent, and yet he still went. He wasn't hindered from 
going because of the shame, but he knew the weight that he would take. He endured suffering for you. And lastly, Jesus helps us from a position of power. It says at the end of this verse, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He finished the race. He finished the race perfectly. And he got rewarded. He got the prize. He's seated at the most important place in all of heaven, at God's right hand. But he's not just gone there and seated there and it's just like, okay, he's won. My friends did like he. They finished the race. They were done. But they came alongside to help. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in you. If you have trusted in Christ, you are not alone. And Jesus sits at the highest place of authority in the universe to respond to your need, to respond to where you are, to come even when you are struggling and maybe haven't offloaded one of those weights or sin. He's in pursuit because you're his. Because he wants you to finish the race. Jesus said, nothing can snatch you out of the Father's hand. He is awaiting, telling you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So when you feel discouraged, brothers and sisters, know the place where he is. Be reminded of the place where he is. Be reminded of what he has done. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. He's the perfecter of our faith. The joy that was set before him allowed him to endure and will allow you to endure. He endured the cross and now he sits in a place of victory and a place of power. So we are going to look to Jesus right now. We're going to take the time to be reminded of what Christ has done. But before we jump into taking the elements together as is our custom, let's just start with the place of having our hearts right. We're to to not come in an unworthy manner. If the Lord has provoked in you, we're going to take some time as as some music is going to be played. And we're just going to have a time of confession. Not out loud so that you introverts don't get freaked out, okay? Just right where you are. You can get out the elements that you have so that they're ready for when we go to take communion, but don't worry about them right now. Don't, don't be fiddling with them. Don't try to get that lid off that you, you can't ever seem to get off and you just feel like you're going to throw this thing in your mouth just to take communion. Don't fiddle with it. Set it down and just, just close your eyes. Not because there's something unique that can happen when your eyes are closed. It simply causes you not to be distracted by everything around you because we're full of distractions. And let's just start with, with this. Maybe this prompt helps you. Lord, I confess I have clung too closely to. 
Lord, I confess, I have clung too closely to. And we'll just take a few minutes. Just pray in your seat, quietly, or just to yourself. I know he's, he's ready to forgive. So let's just pray for a few minutes. Father, I have clung too closely to excellence. I know it's good to be excellent. We want to do well and bring much glory to your name. But I realize I've clung too closely to excellence because it's, it's caused anxiety for me and it's turned into, at times, the pursuit of the praise of man. So forgive me, Lord, for clinging too closely to that, which was something that can be good. But I, I've loved it too much. Please focus my eyes on Jesus. And I pray that you would answer each of the prayers that were prayed in the seat here. And I pray, Father, that you would teach us to be humble this way each day when we pray, or even when we gather together as saints, Lord, would we not be hindered and try to impress each other? Would we be encouragers to access God's grace together? So brothers and sisters, before we, we take the elements together, let's be reminded of what Christ has done. I want to read something for you as we look to Jesus who despised the shame. A pastor once encouraged his congregation by saying this, Jesus was rejected, despised, and ridiculed by almost everyone. The ruling council and the soldiers mocking him, spitting on him, and abusing him. He was in such bad shape that someone had to carry his cross for him. Then they stripped him and crucified him. And there he hung, with no dignity, the one who created every person there, every person present in his image, being hung unrecognizable by the ones he created. We see him harassed and ridiculed by the crowds, passing by as they lobbed obscenities at him, derided him, and threw sayings back in his face, shame upon shame upon shame. This theme of abandonment and rejection was throughout, whether it's Jesus' betrayal or the fleeing of those who, who were his disciples or Peter's denial or beatings and floggings and ridicule, shame upon shame upon shame. This is the exact opposite of what Jesus deserved. When you look at his life and ministry, he loved perfectly, he served perfectly, he healed, he restored, he brought life, 
He brought value and worth to everyone he encountered. He infused hope where there was no hope. He mended things that were desperately broken. All that he was and all that he did was good and right. And yet here he is suffering the worst shame imaginable. Jesus doesn't just bear your sin on the cross. He also bore your shame. Think about your life right now, brothers and sisters, as it relates to shame, shame for your past, shame for your current failings and struggles, shame because of what other people think of you, maybe what your family thinks of you because you decided to follow Jesus, shame for what you think of yourself, that you're not good enough or that you don't measure up. Shame for any number of reasons. Shame is a crushing burden. It's not just a feeling or a way of thinking. It's an experience. When you're experiencing yourself as defective, empty, worthless, and trashed, remember, Jesus took all that on himself on the cross for you. If you're experiencing shame in your life on a regular basis, know the truth and the truth will set you free. The gospel brings freedom from sin and all its effects. And that includes our shame. Let's look up, brothers and sisters. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, for he would bear our sin and our shame, he took bread and he broke it because that bread would represent the body that was gonna be given for you. Let's take the bread together. And then he took the cup, which would represent the blood that he would shed that would cleanse us from all our sin. Let's take the cup together. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The word again says, therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.